You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. I'm going to be reading here in Romans chapter 8. And uh, in, verse, in verse 12, the Bible is going to say, and I, I've already cla- covered this in depth, but I'm just going to give us a little idea of what the Scripture is talking about way of context since we haven't been together. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So I read that by way of that introduction, because the section that says we cry, Abba, Father, <coughs> okay, hang on. Where's, where is this? I shouldn't have thrown it away. I guess I do need it. The section that says we cry, Abba, Father, is a beginning of an introduction to us by which we have to understand something as Christians. If you're in Christ, you're going to groan in this lifetime. And it's a certain kind of groaning that the text is actually getting after. <clears throat> For example, continuing on then, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So you're not the only one groaning. Creation is groaning. And then we're going to look at a a few moments here. The spirit is groaning. So we are actually groaning. So let's stay with this for a moment in in terms of a reality. We don't know what to do with this generally in the West, but I want you to stay with this concept. That if you were born again, you have been changed on the inside. Some of that internal change creates conflict in this world. Yes. <laughs> and that conflict with this world is that you, like I in this world, you want life to work out. And your pastor wants life to work out for you. And God wants to bless you. And we're going to live out this Abrahamic blessing that comes through Jesus Christ fulfilled at the cross. And we're going to have blessings upon blessing and goodness upon goodness. And we're going to be here in a church. And we're going to be, have friendships. And we're going to see people be delivered of demons. And we're going to watch people be healed. And people's businesses get restored. And relationships be restored. And marriages restored. And all of that blessing and goodness, yes? And you are designed by God to groan. Because this is not your home. Do you like the view? I love the view. It's not your home. Do you like your checkbook? Have lots of zeros. (laughs) Make lots of money. Have, Have great prosperity. It's not your home. Do you have a spouse? Good. If you found somebody who's willing to 
look at your mug in the morning and love you at the end of the day, then good. They're never going to fulfill your longest desires that you have in this lifetime. This is not your home. You have a good business, employ people, build things, do things, praise the Lord. Not your home. If you're born again, you understand this internal conflict that you want to live out this great, blessed life in this lifetime, and yet you have this groaning because the truth is we are not designed for this world, but for another one. And the easy way to maybe communicate what is called the doctrine of the end states, if you've never thought of this much, if you haven't read the Bible doctrinally in this sense, is that at at the very end of time, everything melts down. And then, and then everything is reborn. Planet Earth is reborn. The laws of physics are reborn. Uh, the whole cosmos has gone away. The Bible specifically tells us that the sun, which holds the laws of physics for us together and gives us our heat, has gone away. The glory of God is so powerful, it holds it actually all together. Certain things about the cosmos, this thing called the New Jerusalem comes down and it's, it's described as this gargantuan cube. And it plops itself on planet Earth. And it goes to about a third of the distance between us and the moon. And we know some things about it, we don't know some things about it. But my purpose in telling you that is that this place, full of so much love, Oh, go love each other today. Go, go love your friends today. Go laugh today. Go dancing this week. Tell jokes this week. Uh, encourage somebody this week. Uh, be generous with your time this week. Be a giver and a lover and a blesser and all of that. Go do that. Those are God's will for you. Not your what? It's not your home. That's what you have to accept. The phrase that I read in the introductory section here says, Abba, Father. But you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That cry is a form of groaning and that Christians actually have a form of groaning because inside of them is a disturbance that their salvation to be fulfilled. Don't run past that. Inside you, if you're born again, if you're baptized of the Spirit, is a divine and sacred disturbance. You're crying out for God as Father. You know God if you're born again, but you have this crying in your heart. You could be having a great day. That's my point of saying that. You tend to think of it like, well, something bad happened or something negative happened. You could be having a great day. And there's this longing in your heart. And most people stumble over it. They get depressed about it or they they think that there's something wrong with them or I can't believe I have these feelings. I have this great family or life and career and all these other things. And yet inside of me, pastor, what's wrong with me? You know what's wrong with you? Nothing. Except Jesus Christ is alive in you and this is not your home. 
You're made for eternity. You're made to have an eternal body to which we could all shout amen. <laughs> right? No COVID, no death, no sorrow. Right? We tease about that, but it's true. You understand that this world, for all of the things that I've told you, you are so used to watching it be cursed. You and I live in a cursed environment here. That's why people physically die. That's why there's a disease called COVID. That's why we we have Bible studies sometimes to teach us as disciples of Christ how to actually get along. We have special services and ministries to teach us to forgive. You know how much forgiveness you're going to give to another person in heaven? None. Not a single thing. You're not going to have a relationship miss. I think this last week of my life or two weeks, every single day was multiple. What do you mean by that? Do you say that that way? Why are you looking at me when you say that that way? What are you talking about? I'm just looking at you right now. I'm not, I'm not talking about my family life. I'm talking about like interpersonal life in terms of even church life. Like, like, bro, I'm loving you right now. I'm not really feeling your love right now. How are you not feeling the love, but I'm telling you I love you right now? Well, because you're giving me that look. It's kind of like the pastor look. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jesus, come quickly. Right, that's eternity. It's eternity. We have none of that in heaven. None. You were not made, I'll use earthly terms, you were not made for psychological conflict. You weren't made for that. We were made to be put in the Garden of Eden and, and, and to be together as humans, designed to give God glory, to rule and subdue planet Earth in a perfect harmony with God and one another. That's what we're made for. Which is why Paul has to say, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Which is to say that you are going to groan and creation is going to groan and there is no groaning or suffering that you have that when you weigh the balance between pluses and minuses, it does not compare with what awaits you in Christ if you're born again. For the creation now was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory that is for the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Excuse me. And not only creation, but we ourselves. Let me stop there for a second. Talk about creation and groaning. Surprising to you, planet Earth is actually alive. Now, this is where you have to be a good theologian and not trip out at certain things that might sound new agey, but they're not. Every single thing that's alive on planet Earth has a soul. So let me get a little weird with you for a moment. A tree has a soul. Okay, it does not have a human soul in the same way of eternity, but it's alive unto itself. It has a form of a soul. That's orthodox Christian doctrine. Planet Earth is alive in the way that God gave birth to it. 
and it's experiencing the curse of sin. You have to think the entire globe has humans walking on it, and it's experiencing the sin of all these humans, and it says, would you please knock it off? You're not used to thinking about that. And oftentimes, too many writers that are more popular are more on this thing called a new age side of the street. That's orthodox Christianity. The planet Earth is alive. And it's groaning. And it's groaning because of sin. And it doesn't like it. It wants Jesus to come back. Every tree wants Jesus to come back. Every weed wants Jesus to come back. The oceans, the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, it wants Jesus to come back. Every seaweed out in the ocean wants Jesus to come back. Creation wants to be redeemed. It feels a pain and a sorrow. It knows it's not right. It wasn't originally designed for that, and it wants everything to be made right. And you and I in our humanity possess no power because it belongs to God. The kingdom of God must come and manifest. And we should do things related to that pain. We should have ministries that are sensitive to justice. We should have ministries that minister to people. We should be good environmentalists and take care of our oceans and take care of our farms and take care of our animals. Those are all of our Christian duties before God that we should be very green people. I know I have plastic as I say that right here. Sorry about that. So here, we're all inconsistent. But, you know, we, that's our, part of our Christian duty. Creation groans. This child, this birth of a pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but we hope for what we see. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So you have to, as, as we live this lifetime, we live as people with hope. We live with those who, who, who have that, and, and God's glory comes about through this. I, I was thinking about groaning. I saw recently a the documentary of a story not long ago. It's from 2018. It's the uh, Thailand boys soccer team that lives in a really remote area of Thailand. And so here our, our children should run in the Pacific Ocean and go surf and be surfers and do all that. Or here in ag, run up in the hills and uh, get on horses and uh, have guns and shoot squirrels and things like that. I mean, that's just part of the, the nature of being kids in this part of the world. In that part of the world, those kids actually go miles and miles into caves. They go into these deep, deep caverns. And so the soccer team, knowing that they needed to do this in June and not July because the monsoon rains, they went more than five miles deep into these caves, deep into these caverns, and they were just hiking, doing what kids do. They were with their, they were with their, with their coach, actually. And then a freak thing happened. The monsoon rains of July came in June and, and pinched them in. And so now they're trapped and they've got to be saved. This is related to groaning. So there was a mom who was holding up her bike of her son who left the bike outside the cave and she's holding up the bike 
And she's calling out her son's name, and she's saying, you are coming home to me. You are going to come home to me. And she's talking about, I'm cooking your favorite meal. I've got your favorite blankie. I've got you going to come home to me. And she's just weeping and crying as she's holding up this little boy's bike, saying, you're going to come home to me. And yet there's monsoon rains are coming and filling that cavern and filling that cavern and filling that cavern. And sometimes when you groan, I know the temptation is to listen to other voices. And that story of the Thailand soccer team, the rescue team decided, we have a path, we know how to do this, we're not going to listen politically to any outside voices, we're not going to do, we're not going to listen to all these other people, there's one way to do this, and that is we all go get a boy, and we actually give him a shot that puts him asleep, and we monitor that kid and attach it to our bodies and we follow the only rope all the way out for five miles out of this cave until we give that child, that boy, to somebody else who's going to then carry him and lift him out of the cage. That's the only way out. And it's a great story because every boy made it out. But we have moments in life when we grow and if you're going to be a born-again Christian, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to have groanings. And it's because of eternity. Likewise now, Scripture is going to say, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. If you have weakness today, give me a raise. Okay, so my, my good friend John Burke, about... 15 years ago, wrote a book that became famous related to church and the church that he was planting at that time. The the book is called No Perfect People Allowed. And it's a great book title and it's a great book, actually. And, you know, I know that various churches have various kinds of insignia, like people coming in, you know, hey, you're going to give a save, give your life to Jesus, all that's fine, it's good. I'm not kidding you. I sometimes want to have a big, really big, like, cowboy wood poster or something out there in the parking lot that says, are you coming to the ranch church? Are you coming in these doors? Are you walking in these doors? Then get one single message as you do it. No perfect person is allowed inside here. Like, don't, don't give to that deception. No one here is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. It is so not about that if it is ever about that, we are violating the actual grace of God. You're actually looking at God's grace and saying God's grace is not sufficient, it's not glorious, it's not, it's not worthy of that, and so somehow I have to be. We don't save ourselves. You don't save yourselves. It's not about our self-effort. It's about a true supernatural thing where Jesus Christ, who is actually God, came in the flesh and went to the cross to die for our sins, and in going to the cross and being resurrected on the third day, then, according to all prophecy, released the Holy Spirit so that the very divine life of God can live inside you. And there can be a reclamation project in your life from now into eternity where you can become more like Jesus Christ and be changed. And all of that is grace. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here's what the next verse says. 
for we do not know what to pray, or we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, let's talk about the Spirit. The Spirit's growing. We groan, creation groans, the Spirit groans. Let me just deal with one thing doctrinally really, really clear, because it's, we're, we, it's, a, it's a full gospel church. It's a full gospel um, belief of the Scriptures. That means that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is both present and ongoing. The gifts of the Spirit are both present and ongoing. We, we, we believe that those are the manifestations are clearly still there. This groaning of the Spirit has nothing to do with something called tongues or the prophetic. It has nothing to do with that. My Pentecostal brothers, they're in doctrinal error in saying that. That is not true. It's a different kind of groaning. I say that as someone who speaks in tongues. So, that is a teaching of 1 Corinthians. Those things are for different places doctrinally of what the Bible's talking about. This groaning right here is that the Spirit is groaning with us for eternity. And because of that, you sometimes don't know how to pray. Do you always know how to pray? I don't always know how to pray. I don't even sometimes know how to cry. Do you know how to cry? You should cry. <laughs> Crying is a gift from God. It's actually, it's actually an important physiological and emotional and spiritual thing that should happen to men and women in their adulthood. It's, a, it's actually purpose in your life. Tears actually have a purpose. They help you feel human. They help you feel compassion and love. They help you to repent sometimes of sin. They actually change you. The Spirit is going to groan far too deep for words. These are none of the gifts of the Spirit spoken of in other texts. He's going to search the mind of the Spirit. and He's going to intercede according to the will of God. The will of God. So let's talk about the will of God. So there's two kinds of wills of God. There's a perfect will and there's a permissive will. The perfect will is easy. God just did it. <laughs> and you just go, wow. So God's perfect will is that you would be saved. Uh, God's perfect will is that the sun comes up and the moon comes up and and. God's perfect will is those kind of things. God's perfect will is that, is that everyone would know his love. God's perfect will is that we would actually have his scriptures. God's perfect will is that we would actually assemble like this and worship God. This actually God's part of his perfect will is that we would actually come together as a church like this. We'd hear the preaching of the word. We'd hear the teaching of the word. We'd gather at other times for Bible studies. These are all examples of God's perfect will. It's God's perfect will that we have ministries and that we go on mission trips and things of those nature are easily perfect will. Okay, permissive will, more complicated. Everybody should say more complicated, right? God's permissive will will always come with drama. And you don't hear that a lot. God's permissive will comes with drama. Why does it come with drama? Because it's you. And you come with drama. 
Example number one. Oh, Jesus, I love her. I love her so much. She's everything to me, everything to me. We must be married now. You've known each other 48 hours. No, we must know each other now. I need her in my life. I can't live without her. You sure you want to marry her? Yes. You sure you want to spend the rest of her life with her? Yes. Okay. And then? (laughs) Comes drama. Oh God, I want to be wealthy. I want to be wealthy. I want to start that company. I want to save in advance. I want to manufacture this. I want to manufacture that. I want this money. I want these things. I want to prosper and prosper and prosper and prosper. You sure? You sure you want an eight or nine figure income? You sure you want that many zeros behind your name? Yes. Yes. I'll be generous. I'll tithe. I'll, I'll give. I'll make sure the ranch church wants for nothing. I will. I will. I will. I'm sure. And God says, okay. And then pastor says, hey, where you been? Oh, man, I've got to work on Sundays now. I mean, you don't even understand this. I'm on Saturdays, and then I've got clients calling me 24-7. I have 24 employers who are suing me, and I can't get anyone to work who does work. And then when they do show up to work, all they do is whine, they whine, they whine, and then, they, then I have to follow them on my computer and then their phones and all that. Pray for me, pastor, pray for me. drama because it's you. God will bless it. God will anoint it and ordain it. But God's permissive will comes with drama. Let me push on here and we'll wind for home. See how much you can actually take. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That verse doesn't say all things are good. Major error in a lot of Christian conversations. Church, is everything good? (laughs) No. Not at all. One caveat, and then I'm going to explain a few things here. So this, is, this would be, Pastor Rick would say, please, Jesus Christ, give my church the grace and ability to receive this very important lesson. In the moment of tragedy in a person's life, they've lost, in my case, the home going of a father, a loved one, a business fallout, whatever the case is, please do not open your Bible and read this verse to somebody. It comes across as callous and cold and uncaring. It's not what the person needs to receive. When your heart breaks, the only thing you could comprehend from somebody is, my friend, I love you. Can I be your friend? Can I come over to the house and drop something off? Why don't you come over? We're, co- we're making something. Now read this verse to someone. It's for later in their life. It's for a year or two later in their life. It's for a different part of the Bible study down the road in life. God will show them that. 
But in the moment they're hurting, in the moment they're weeping, in the moment they, they just actually need a friend to grab them and cry with them and hold them and just say nothing except the fact that I'm there and I love you. To me personally, it meant a lot today, just a couple days after my own dad's home going, to just have a few of you come up and pray for me and just say, See, this is not a cry Sunday. <laughs> that you love me, and could you pray for me? No verse. I'm with you, Pastor, all the way to the end. Thank you. Did you get the soup I brought you? Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Anything else I could do for you? You're doing it. Hey, you know I'm your friend last week, this week, and next week, right, Rick? Oh, thank you. That's what you need of messaging in the moment of suffering, of groaning, deep pain and sorrow. This is our truth, though, for us now. And it comes with a qualification. Not all things are good, but all things can work out for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. This is a deep, deep Christian promise. And it is a reflection of eternity because we can believe that God will actually do this. He will allow all things to work in that manner for a true good. And how is it? We don't always know, but we can trust in it. We can see in it. The issue for us as a church is, and let me, let me wind down close to prayer for this way. What's it going to take? For you to understand this is your gospel promise. What's it going to take? Sadly for us as humans, because we're so stubborn, it takes a tragedy. It takes something very serious and very real. I'm mindful of the story of Pastor Greg Laurie's oldest son, a young man by the name of Christopher, who I didn't know, but I know the story. And he was a prodigal. And so his dad's this famous evangelist, and he spins out, and, and, uh, and then he comes back to the Lord in his 20s, and he gets married, he puts his life back together, he becomes a disciple, and he's actually a successful graphic designer, he decides to go work for his dad, he's going to go work for his dad, but they have another son that's about 10 years younger than the uh, older one, and so he's also a prodigal. And as he tells the story, this is, this is uh, Jonathan, Jonathan is actually at a bar, and he's, and he's drunk as a skunk, and he's pulling one, one after another, one after another, and it's a sports bar, it's really all the sports stuff's out there, and then lo and behold comes the Harvest Crusade advertisements on TV at the sports bar, and there he's with all his buddies getting loaded, he goes, hey, isn't that your dad? Isn't your dad talking about Jesus? You know what his comment is? I'll take another shot. Drop it in the beer, and I'm going to chug it. And so the older son comes to the younger son and says, listen, I don't know what's going on with you. I live that. I am telling you, you need to repent out of it. You need to snap out of it. You need to stop blaming dad for being an evangelist and a pastor. You need to stop blaming God for the life you had. You grew up nice. You had nice things. You have a family that loves you. You need to knock all this stuff off. And let me ask you, what's it going to take? Do you know this part of the story? You know, Jonathan, 10 years younger to his older brother, says to him, I guess somebody has to finally die 
That's how much I could care less. And a week later, his older brother has a tragic accident and dies. And he went into his brother's room and just wept. He thinks, of course, it's his fault. It's not his fault. God's sovereign. But he experienced a sudden loss without the comfort of Christ. Until he says, Jesus, if you're there and you're real, then I, I, I guess you need to save me. But I don't know how to stop doing everything that I do. I don't know how to stop being angry at my dad. I don't know how to stop being bitter about him being famous. I don't know what it, I'm so done with, like, churchianity and all that. I, I just, so I, I need you to, like, save me deeply inside. That's a broken prayer that Jesus would hear. So to you, my friends, I have the same question, what's it going to take? And I'm going to pray. And ask at this very moment that Christ would invade your heart in some significant way. And I'm going to pray that eternity is disturbing your soul, that you'll let it. I'm going to pray that you'll let eternity disturb your soul. Because for us in Christ, we're here today and we're face to face with our Savior tomorrow. Let's pray, church. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.